What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Welcome back to the Richard Gate Podcast. Today, welcome David Meyer. He's a managing principal of Meyer Wilson, a national law firm that he founded to represent investment fraud victims in their fight against deceptive brokers. Meyer Wilson is one of the nation's leading investment fraud firms, recovering millions of dollars for clients throughout the last 20 years. He's currently the president of two bar associations, named one of the best lawyers in America, and he's been also named twice Lawyer of the Year by publication in his practice area and location. Now, what is a securities investment fraud attorney? Stockbrokers and financial advisors have a duty to recommend investments that are appropriate and beneficial for you based on your specific circumstances. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. A lot of times they act on, for their own benefit. And some of the things they do are unauthorized trading, excessive fees, churning, Ponzi schemes, and more. So we're going to talk to Meyer about what we can do and how we can fight back. And we'll also be discussing his number one Amazon bestseller, The Investor Protector. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Richer Geek. I'm proud to have David Meyer on. He's a principal at Meyer Wilson, one of the leading investment fraud firms. How you doing, David? Great, Michael. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, excited to have you on. It's a little bit different. Uh, a lot of our listeners are wanting to invest or they do invest. Uh, and as so many people do, they pick a financial advisor or they pick a syndicator, they pick an investor, they pick a, um, an, a person or a firm to place funds with and there's not a lot of vetting there's not a lot of you know it's just kind of like yeah you know you, you sound good you look good here's some money um so that's really why i wanted to bring you on to enlighten our listeners a little bit about uh why they should be fearful for fraud and why and why it's so prevalent uh, so tell me a little bit about who you are where you came from sure Again, my name is David Meyer. I appreciate you having me. And the uh, the book is called The Investor Protector, mm -hmm. uh, Stories of Triumph Over Financial Advisors Who Lie, Cheat, and Steal. I came up with that book because I'm a lawyer who chases bad financial advisors who lie, cheat, and steal. And you know, the book took me probably 18 months to write, but it's 25 years in the making. Uh, it, it includes stories of my clients who have, over the past 20 years, have triumphed over unbelievable 
deceit by their trusted advisors and overcome unthinkable loss. And uh, this is, I'm the guy that's here trying to get less business. I actually, uh, by writing this book, I hope that uh, fewer lawyers will need to hire a lawyer like me. Uh, because by the time someone's hired to my law firm for help in their investment loss case, they've already suffered the devastating financial loss. My day job is to fight against the advisor and the brokerage firm to recover the money lost at the hands of a bad, bad broker. And it's rewarding to fix my problems, but it would be even better if I could stop uh, this fraud before it happens. So by writing this book, my goal is to uh, prevent the devastating financial loss before it happens, uh, before it happens. So what I'm telling uh, folks, retirement savers, investing in individual investors, if you read this book and follow the basic steps I outlined, the chance that you'll ever need an investment fraud lawyer like mine will go, will go down dramatically. Uh, the, the book, it's, it's body armor for retirement savers. Um, but it's not a handbook. It's not a reference guide because I think those are boring. Uh, I think that we learn best from experience sharing uh, rather than a lecture. So what I've done, I've taken some stories. These are right out of my file cabinets, right out of our computers that's happened over the past 20 years. And they're, I mean, they're unbelievable stories. Uh, now, most of them have happy endings in the, in the sense that we're able to recover money. But my hope is, is that the, the book will draw in readers that want to read interesting stories, but then the readers will learn a lesson sort of by accident, right? <laughs> they will know what to look out for because they've read a story of somebody who has suffered significant loss and had a fight to recover. So mm -hmm. um, you know, the first part of the book is it's what to do before you hire a broker. But there's a lot of information out in the world about do this, don't do this, do that. And, and it's so much information coming to us. I've, I didn't see it in a book put together by someone who's actually been in the trenches for 25 years fighting an investment fraud. So with the advice I give and the steps and then the stories, I hope it's a compelling read that will really help people so they'll never need a lawyer like me. And it's not just people that have, you know, the big cases, you know, like the Bernie and, and, uh, the ones you hear about on the on the radio shows, you hear on TV that it's not just the people that have invested hundreds of millions, but it's also for the person that's invested ten or twenty or fifty thousand, right? Right. It's yeah, Michael. Most of my clients have worked their entire lives, you know, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, and saved you know a considerable sum, whether it's a couple hundred thousand dollars or a million or a few million dollars. You know, very few of my clients have had a hundred have a hundred million dollars, right? These are folks that have worked their entire lives. And for most of them, their investment experience is nothing outside of whatever their company-sponsored retirement plan is. So by the time they're 60 or 70, they've amassed a significant amount of money for them over the course of their life. What do they do with it? They've got basically a check, whether it's 200, 300, 500,000, a million or two. Uh, and then they go out there and say, look, I need help. I need somebody to help me because I don't have an interest in this. I don't have expertise in this. I don't have a skill set in this. I need help because I've, I've gone, I've had my company-sponsored plan Really, all I do is check some boxes and, and switch some allocations occasionally. But what do I know about selecting, uh, you know, allocation of fund, a diversification, and what types of investments? And then how do I, you know, manage that with with growing it, but also keeping it safe so I have it the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. What do I do about, you know, my kids and charities? Uh, so it, it makes sense for many of us to reach out and try to seek out a professional advisor, but, but, you know, where do you go? How do you find that person? Um, most investors don't even understand the difference between brokers and investment advisors or the standard of care that are due each of them under the different 
regulatory structures because I believe that the process is opaque intentionally. The industry makes it complicated. Uh, I mean, there's a huge difference between a stockbroker and an investment advisor. Uh, they're regulated differently. Uh, they have different standards of care. Uh, if you have a claim uh, against them, the process to recover that claim is different. Uh, most people don't know that. And that's really the first step. How can you decide, how can you make a good solid decision about where to trust your life savings if you don't even know that differences? And so I put that together in a book with a couple charts to step through you know, each step of the process. So people can take this book before they even make the call to a prospective advisor and be much more better prepared. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really good. We've had uh, some people come on and speak, you know, the difference between the financial advisors and fiduciaries and, and um, why you should trust one or the other, what are the pros and cons and the others, you know, and what we're talking about when we're talking with you and fraud, it's a little bit more than a guy just saying, steering you towards something that he gets commissions on, you know, so give me an example of, you know, I'm looking at financial advisors say, hey, I want to buy this. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You want to go here because, you know, because he gets the front end or back end and, and, and those things or making trades without your knowledge. So, you know, I mean, you know, those are some of the simple things, but what are we talking about when we're talking about what can happen to people? Well, so it's a, it's a great question, Michael, but it goes anywhere from simple negligence, uh, forgetfulness, unauthorized trading, uh, um, uh, you know, or excessive trading uh, or, or variable annuity sales that may be inappropriate, you know, all the way to theft, uh, Ponzi schemes. Uh, so it really is the whole bandwidth of, of, of things that could go wrong. Um, and it really starts, I mean, it's important to understand the difference between a registered representative and investment advisor, but that's not the most important because I mean, every, whether you have an investment advisor or a registered representative, they all have duties. And whether that standard is here, 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 what matters is, is that you invest with somebody that's least likely to steal your money, or if there's a problem, be more likely than not to be able to recover. And here's what I'm talking about. So there are major financial firms, and without saying names, we all know the household names that have their names on buildings and, and advertisements everywhere. And those are the large firms. And my recommendation, I've represented over a thousand investors. I've recovered tens of millions of dollars from my clients. I've seen it all, right? And, and so the tips in this book and that we're gonna talk about, if you follow these things, even if you don't know every difference between a fiduciary, a registered representative and best interest and, and all the standards that seem to change every time there's a different administration in the White House, that is secondary to the fact that make sure your advisor is licensed, right? Make sure that person holds the license. We're going to talk about where to go. You can do that from your living room, in your pajamas, in 10, sec in 10 minutes or less. And even that one step, if everyone would look up their uh, financial advisor before entrusting with their life savings, the amount of cases in my office would go down by 50%. I mean, how crazy is that, right? And then once you do that, making sure you work with a reputable firm. Most Ponzi schemes you, you read about are people that are that con people into investing with them when they're not even licensed. They don't have any certifications, any licenses, or if they did, they got kicked out of the industry. Um, and we're going to talk about how to look into that. But if you make sure your advisor is licensed, you make sure they work for a reputable firm because you need to assume, and that's unfortunate, this is the world we live in, you got to assume worst case scenario. So if you go to ABC massive brokerage firm, right, and you meet uh, Charlie, Charlie seems like a nice person, you get some recommendations, you've done some research, he doesn't have any past prior complaints, and you invest your million dollars with Charlie at huge, you know, ABC brokerage firm. 
Well, if he bolts the next day with your money and runs off across the world and you no longer can find him, at least you have big, massive ABC brokerage firm there. And then you would hire a lawyer like me. We go through the process. We get a judgment and they're there to pay it because they're a large firm that has the wherewithal to pay it. Unfortunately, there are tiny firms, there are thousands of them, or at least hundreds of them, that are properly licensed, allowed to conduct business, uh, are entrusted with millions of dollars of, of individual investors' money, but they don't have the financial wherewithal to satisfy a judgment. So my word of wisdom is go with someone who's not only licensed, but has a clean regulatory record, but also is with a large firm a large firm that you've heard about and you know about and make sure they're actually affiliated with them at the time that you invest with them. Because if they were fired six months ago and then you invested with them, that's gonna be more challenging. Uh, but there are so many names of brokerage firms that are super tiny that no one's ever heard of um, that you can get in trouble with because if your broker bolts and it's a tiny firm and we turn down unfortunately cases every week where it's a great case on liability. There's a lot of significant losses. The investor didn't do anything wrong. It's completely the fault of the bad broker who lied, cheated, or stole their money, but the firm is out of business or tiny and can't pay it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are saying, well, don't they have insurance? But uh, most people don't know this. There is zero requirement in the United States for financial advisors to have insurance. So that means there's no guarantee that they're, they're going to be insured. And even if they are insured, a lot of the things that they do that are going to result in you losing money are excluded from the policy anyway, right? So um, if they engage in XYZ, even if they have insurance, that policy might exclude it. For example, a lot of fraud is going to be excluded. So if you go to an advisor and you say, Dave Meyer and Michael, they told me, go look for insurance. And I asked for insurance and they gave me the, the certificate that showed I have insurance. Well, they're not going to give you all the exclusions. Um, so, you know, the insurance isn't, isn't going to do it. So many, many cases that make their way to, to my office where people that have lost entire life savings, those cases wouldn't happen if they check their advisor, make sure they're clean and they're with a large firm. And the way, to, the way to do this, it's called brokercheck.com. You literally could do it on, the, on your living room couch, in your pajamas, uh, and it's, it's sponsored by FINRA, which is the, the securities regulators, along with the state regulators. They maintain a database of every financial advisor in the country. And you type in the name, your location, and it'll show you the firm uh, with which they're affiliated. And if the person that you're either currently investing with or considering investing with is not in there, do not invest with them ever under no circumstances. You cannot, you cannot sell investments or investment advice if you're not properly registered with either FINRA or the SEC and brokercheck.com is the first place to go. And what that does, you'll pull up a record and everyone should do it for their broker, their advisor. Like the light right now, while they're listening to the show, they can pull up the screen and they can do it right now. They pull up the name, the advisor, they're gonna see their employment history. They're gonna see if there's any regulatory complaints, if they've been fined or barred. Uh, again, any customer complaints. This process isn't perfect. There are ways where brokers can, can clean up or erase records. I'm actually fighting very hard with the Securities Exchange Commission, lobbying them to change that rule to make that less, uh, uh, less of an option for brokers to clean uh, bad complaints from the record. But it's, it's better than nothing. And by the way, and some credit here to the industry, 
uh, the regulators because I'm aware of no other profession that does this. You can't look at lawyers and see online from your living room in your pajamas if lawyer one of hire has ever been sued or ever had complaints. None of that is readily available. Mm -hmm. You can't do that for doctors as far as I know. Now, it makes sense that it's for financial advisors because they're the one entrusted with our life savings. But it would be it's just amazing that it's, it's a it's a tool that's out there. It's totally free. You could check 10 brokers a day forever and there's no cost. Uh, but again, it's not perfect. You need to understand that there is important information that sometimes is missing. But if any customer has ever filed a complaint over five thousand dollars against a broker or an advisor or broker, it should be in that deal um, and you would see it. And I will tell you, 90 percent or more of brokers um, have less than two complaints. So if you pull up a broker, and I'm going to tell you a story that, that shows this, but if your broker has five complaints on there, there's absolutely no reason you should work with that advisor. Um, I've, I've got a case, if you want to hear it, if, just sure. a, an example of a situation where uh, this was back in the early 2000s. I was just getting started, actually, in this business, and I represented a group of about 80 folks who retired from a, a large company uh, a warehouse uh, in, in a Midwestern town. And they were they had worked, worked there 20 years. They got an early retirement. So each of them got a, a, a lump sum of three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. Very unsophisticated folks in terms of investments. And there was a broker in town who knew it was happening. So he was having free lunches, free dinners. You know, the one thing about free lunch, it's never free, right? There's always a cost. So he put on all these, uh, you know, these pony, dog and pony shows, got all these people to come. He put them all in high tech. They lost about 80% of their portfolio over the course of three months. And these are folks who are retired uh, and lost 80% of the money. So we took the case, filed it in FINRA arbitration, and we got a settlement, put all that money back in their new IRAs. Uh, but there were about 80 complaints on this guy's record, and he didn't get fired. The brokerage firm didn't fire him. Why didn't they fire him? Well, my guess is because he was still generating enough revenue to justify him being there. But check this out. This is where it gets even crazier. So if you pulled up this gentleman's record, uh, you would see 75 complaints on his CRD on broker check. This broker left that firm, went to a new firm, a tiny firm, one of the ones that I recommend not going with. Uh, and then he started getting engaging in a Ponzi scheme. And a lot of his clients uh, and some new clients joined him at the new firm um, and ended up getting caught in this Ponzi scheme. The guy ended up going to jail. And I took some of those cases too. So I sued the broker when he was at the first firm. And then when he moved, he was engaged in the Ponzi scheme. I did it again and I collected on one, but then, then the firm went out of business. Now, had any of those people typed in that gentleman's name before investing with him in firm two, they would have seen the longest CRD report I've ever seen. Something like, I don't know, 50 pages. Um, and so again, that information is out there but people just need to be told and reminded to go use it. Now, in that first example, uh, what was the, the fraud? You know, because uh, I did not know. It's like you know, he, he put their money in high tech. So that's a great question. So, so, right. You can't sue a broker just if your portfolio declines in value. But yeah. what you can what you can expect and what you must expect of your advisor is for your advisor to recommend and implement an investment portfolio that's appropriate for you, given your investment experience, your age, your risk tolerance, your goals. And if you're 65 years old and you have $400,000 to your name and you need that to last for the rest of your life, then you need that money to be 
uh, reasonable amount of growth and also safety. So there needs to be a diversified portfolio, uh, well diversified amongst the asset classes. So you can achieve some modest growth because you do need it to grow a little bit. Uh, but there also needs to be an allocation of cash or, you know, in case the market goes down. So that portfolio, if it goes down 10, 15, 20%, fine. But if it goes down 80%, that means likely it was, it was not appropriately allocated and diversified for somebody in that situation. Now, if you're 35 years old and you, you know, you have 30 or 40 years to, to uh, work and you understand that you're willing to be a growth oriented investor and you're willing to accept significant market declines, that's different. But for retirees on a fixed income with little investment experience and zero and very little risk tolerance, it's not appropriate mm -hmm. to put 80, 90% of their portfolio in a aggressive in that point, tech uh, investment portfolio. That, that makes sense. Uh, now let's talk about something that's uh, the age of the investors getting, you know, you're talking about 65 years old. Well, how about more, there's more and more fraud, it seems like on the elderly. Uh, elder yep. fraud, I think is what they call it or something like that. Um, right. You know, they may not have a computer they can't look up. You know, what are some of the things, a lot of our listeners have aging parents. What are some of the things you can tell them to say, hey, you know, tell your parents? Or so that's a great advice. question. Yeah. So financial exploitation of the elderly is the number one problem. Uh, in our environment right now, uh, we're all they, our population is is aging. Uh, there's a, a significant accumulation of wealth, um, and it's really the perfect storm because that's where the money is, right? So the scammers and the cheaters are going to target where the money is. The same reason why bank robbers rob banks because that's where the money is. They're not going to try to cheat a 25 year old that doesn't have any money. They're going to cheat the 65, 70, 80 year old, and also that those folks that that target they're easy targets. Right, because they likely living alone. They might be suffering some cognitive decline. Uh, they, they, they're again, they're lonely, and um, they uh, are very private. So if something does happen, uh, these these fraudsters know that if something does happen, it's less likely that they're going to get on the internet or do something because they're going to be embarrassed. Uh, they're going to be afraid to tell anybody. So those are the people that that need help of their adult parents or their adult children, rather. So, I mean, I, I get a copy of my mother's uh, statement sent to me, uh, you know, as a mm. copy, uh, you know, on the account. So go on, you can get there with, with the approval. You might need a power of attorney, depending on the situation, and get a copy. So I see everything that goes to my mother, you know, who's, uh, who's 80 years old, uh, I get a copy of that. Um, and, and also go through their statements, um, you know, see, see what's going on. Actually, you have an understanding of what's going on because uh, they are the number one targets. They're alone, they're suffering cognitive decline, they're embarrassed if anything happens, they wanna to appear to be maybe in, more independent than they are. Um, but the, the biggest problem we see is, is, the, is fraud on the elderly. And it's typically the adult children who are watching out, uh, looking for red flags and, and being there and, and also doing the broker uh, check.com for their parents. There you uh, go. You know, because that, you just got to step in uh, to make sure that uh, they've got someone looking out for them. Now, here's another thing that's very popular now that uh, the internet and, uh, you know, crowd sharing, crowdfunding, and, and all these different things is you know, the, the SEC, you know, uh, Reg D's, you know, all these private placements uh, that is extremely popular now because it seems like anybody can 
draw up some paperwork, have anyone, and then do uh, some type of a private placement. What are some of the ways that we can protect ourselves from that well, kind of fraud? I believe that 95% of the retirement savers in this world don't need to have anything to do with private placements. Uh, they're risky uh, by nature. Uh, and even if you qualify uh, as an accredited investor, that, that definition hasn't changed in 40 years. Uh, I'm president of a national bar association called Piaba. It's the Public Investors Advocate Bar Association. We're a, actually a, a, a worldwide bar association of lawyers that represent individual investors. And in my capacity as the president, I'm actually lobbying the SEC to revise and adopt uh, you know, some changes to that accredited investor because it hasn't changed in 40 years. The number hasn't gone up in inflation. And I'm seeing retirees uh, that have, you know, uh, you know, maybe a million dollars, whatever the, whatever the base criteria is, are 65 years old, they've got a million dollars plus their home, and they're being pitched this stuff that is, it's going to be risky, and there's just no need to achieve that incremental return increase uh, with the accompanying risk. I just had a case, I just, uh, just tried it uh, last month against an investment advisor. I had a retired widow, 75 years old, she had about a million five uh, from, uh, she was 75 years old, uh, which was plenty of money. Like she just needed to protect that money. She didn't need the million five to go to a million, eight, million nine or $2 million. And her broker sold her a million dollars of private placement. What, to get 8%, 9%? And then she lost it all. And I won the case, but I'm not likely to recover because the investment advisor is a tiny little firm. So private placements can be appropriate for sophisticated investors uh, who have a long time to recoup any, any losses, mm -hmm. but all these private placements, alternative investments, uh, even these variable insurance products, there's just so many things out there that don't need to be in 95% of our portfolios. I know, you know, it sounds like, oh, you're, there could be people missing out. Most of us at that point of our lives, we've saved the money we're going to save. We need reasonable growth and we need safety. That's it. That's it. Now for the billionaires out there and the tech giants, they can get all the, they can do all this private placement. You know what? And, and I never want to talk to them if they have a problem by losing their money. They're not going to call me because I'll mm. tell them, look, you took the risk. You were sophisticated. You understood the risk. You were well-suited uh, and you had the risk tolerance. You have the ability to make up the money. That's where that, that's who that's for. It is not for retirement savers, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know, and, and all of our listeners out there that do their own syndications, you, you should look at. Don't be greedy and just get anybody's money, uh, just because they're credited and just because you're able to. Uh, you know, pay attention to what yep. David David says. It's if you're still working, you're an executive, and you want to diversify. Go ahead. And here's a piece of advice for those folks in that business. Disclosure does not equal suitability. I, you know, I'm not a big tattoo guy, but I have one, but I don't know that I'm going to get any more, but I, I would get that tattooed on my arm. I don't have muscular arms like you, and maybe I would, but it, it's disclosure does not equal suitability. And let me tell you what that means. So in this case, I just had 75-year-old widow retiree. Uh, the private placement, you know, there's forms that everyone has, mm -hmm. and it's forms that says, I understand the risk. I understand that I could lose all my money. I understand that I have a speculative investment objective. Just because that's signed uh, doesn't mean it's right. 
And anybody, because particularly these days where things are getting signed by uh, DocuSign and on your cell phone, back in the day, I mean, I don't know how old you are, you look younger than me, but back in the day, advisors would actually sit down with their clients with paper and the, and the client would write down, this is my experience trading stocks, investing in stocks. I have this out of these five investment objectives, this is my investment objective. Now they're all computerized, they're all pre-filled out and they come with a checkbox that you do with your phone. So, and that doesn't cut it. You can't say, hey, I'm good. I'm never gonna be worried about David Meyer suing me because I got my client to check the boxes. It's nonsense. I care what actually happened. I care what the investment objective actually is, not what somebody convinced my client to sign. So no one should have a false sense of security or insecurity in my opinion, that having clients sign these forms means that it's, uh, it's appropriate because it's what actually is going on, not what the, just the forms say. And so you're in agreement that any type of asset al allocation should be monitored heavily. Well, I think depending on, you know, I think if, if, if you're a professional advisor and you're charging an annual fee and you've told your client, look, hire me, I'm the expert, I'm well-trained, I'm supervised, I have access to all the information, mm -hmm. you're retired, go just like the ads say, go be with your grandkids on the beach, I got this, I will take care of this, this is what you're paying me for. Yeah. In that situation, which is most of the situations, right? Right. Um, in that situation, the job is to allocate, recommend an allocated portfolio and do the job you've promised your client you're gonna do and earn the fee you're gonna earn. Now, that's what most people tell their clients, but then when I go in and lawsuit, what they tell me on the stand is, hey, I'm just an order taker. Whoa, 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 all I did was buy the stocks, but that's not, you know, these aren't, these aren't self-directed accounts at Fidelity. These are mm -hmm. trusted people that, I mean, the industry spends a tremendous amount of money building the trust of their advisors and their companies. They want people to uh, build, to have that trust with their advisors and, and give the money to them to the, and let them do their job. Uh, so when you do it, uh, you know, the, the, the firms can't be surprised that people actually trusted them with their life savings, which is what all these ads have promoted them to mm -hmm. do all these years. Yeah, so what you're saying is the financial advisor um, can have the responsibility, you know, or should have the responsibility to monitor. And you're saying that if they don't, there is some action that could be taken. They're if expected to. Yes. If they've accepted the responsibility to recommend and implement a portfolio and monitor it on a regular basis, that they fail uh, to do the, the what they promised to do, yes, they can be held responsible. It's really just a negligence standard. Mm -hmm. What's the standard of care? What did they promise? What would a well-trained, well-supervised, professional, properly, uh, you know, uh, set, trained advisor do? And you compare that to what actually happened. Wonderful. Yeah, that, you know, it's it's good. Uh, you know, I've had a really good uh, conversation with you. I've, I've really appreciated it. Um, your book. Uh, when's it coming out? Uh, where can they find it? So it's out now. It's called The Investor Protector, and it's on it's on Amazon. Amazon, you know, electronic copy, hardback, softback. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that you know, if you spend a couple hours to read it, 
just the chance that you or a loved one will ever become a victim of investment fraud, the chances that you'll ever need a lawyer like me will go down significantly if you follow the steps in the book. And I hopefully the stories are compelling, interesting, and that a re your readers, your listeners will, will uh, learn something sort of uh, by accident, maybe, <laughs> about yeah. what to watch out for. There you go. And how can our listeners find you? Yep. So my law, my law firm, Meyer Wilson, is on the, uh, the internet at investorclaims.com. I've got a website with a tremendous amount of educational information, videos, articles, blogs, and then, of course, our contact information. So investorclaims.com. And it is national. You're able to represent yep. national. Yep. So when you sign up with your brokerage firm on the back of page six and, and words you don't read, you give up your right to go to a jury trial and you agree that any claim you'll pursue will be done through mandatory arbitration. Mm -hmm. And that's a national process. So because we're arbitration lawyers, we can do it uh, across the country. Well, yeah, that's something I, I learned right there. I did not know that. Uh, and uh, again, everyone, the book is called Stories of Triumph over financial advisors who lie, cheat, and steal. Who knew that they did the, any of that stuff? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate the time, David, and uh, we've learned a lot. And I Absolutely. hope you have a uh, wonderful day. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the time. Thanks for tuning in to the Richard Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. Today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichardgeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.